They claim that our eyes will just be created a slightly different from what they are. We talk to see things are. Welcome to Strange Familiars, covering a range of topics from the paranormal, cryptids, mythology, the occult, hauntings, UFOs, weird history, and folklore. Wherever you are listening to Strange Familiars, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or any other service, please subscribe and click the like button, and share the Strange Familiars pages and stories on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Strange Familiars. For this episode, we're going to go back to Michaud Forest for another Bigfoot encounter, or at least what sounds like a Bigfoot encounter. And then a little bit later, I will take you on a short local Bigfoot investigation that I did very recently. But we'll start by going back to Michaud, where we met Kelly, Mark, Ben, and Caden. I was able to go over there and meet them at the place where Kelly and Mark had an encounter many, many years ago, in 1985, I believe it was. They hadn't been back to the spot since that time. They met me there, and we hiked into the woods, found the spot where they were camping, and they told me their story on the spot. Pretty interesting, and it was a great day. I definitely want to thank Kelly, Mark, Ben, and Caden for meeting me there, and There's a new voice you'll hear asking some questions. That's John. He'll be on the show here and there. James hasn't gone anywhere. James will be back. So welcome John to the show. And you'll be hearing more of John in the future. I remember to look for is like piles of like the pine cones picked uh-huh. apart. No, no, it's pretty normal, maybe like here on the trail, but back there where we just stopped for a little bit right off the side of the trail. 
there's like flakes. Mm. Yeah. And I don't, I know like raccoons and stuff squirrels probably eat them, squirrels. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's pretty darn small. I mean, if you're going to think of Bigfoot as a natural animal, the caloric requirements are insane. It would have to constantly be eating, constantly yeah. be eating. We've learned how to process food and so forth and, and cook food to get the most out of it. But if you're, if you're living on a raw diet out here and you're a primate with a big brain, presumably that's what it would be, you constantly, constantly, constantly. Yeah. they'd have to anything they could get their hands on. Yep. They'd have to just constantly be... Just yesterday, I've seen. I was driving around the mountain yesterday, and it was kind of like it just got done raining. And whenever I drive up here, I'll see maybe a deer here or there, or a turkey here or there. Yesterday, I seen it was at least six deer, and probably three or four turkeys. And it's, I know turkey season's in, so, but it was close to where they just got done with the controlled burning. So there's definitely a lot of Wildlife food source. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's definitely. Especially for something that would have to be, it would have to be a master, an absolute master of the woods to exist. So I bounce back and forth on it. You know, I I talk to people and they make really good arguments for the possibility of it being a natural creature. Mm. I'm I'm so agnostic on it. I'm you know I I admit that I I go I can go back and forth. Uh, the, the thing that gets me is when it they just we don't have any pictures of it there's trail cams all over the United States and there's yeah. no good pictures so how does it know how does it know to avoid trail cam we get cougar and bear and everything else on trail cam we can't get that that's not to mention like skeletal remains yeah non-existent yeah. yeah that I'm somewhat less just because yeah. how rare it is to find predators skeletal remains anyway you know it's how many times hiking have you come across a coyote or cougar or bear you know yeah. remains it's just I, I have found a coyote have you really yeah. that's a good find yeah. I find tons of deer ton, yeah. tons of deer tons yeah. of you know raccoons and so forth but uh, coyote would be a good find yeah. well whenever a coyote is done eating part of a deer do you see like the bite marks and stuff on the bones yeah, coyote, yeah, yeah. you can tell a coyote kill on right. a deer because a coyote's jaws are not strong enough to go in through that, that, that neck, those neck muscles of the deer. Yeah. It has to come in from the rear. Okay. So coyote damage is always from the rear to the front. Back end of the deer. They go to the back end and then they eat from the inside there. Okay. So you usually get the front end is pretty unadulterated. And you can find sometimes on the snout of the skull of the deer, you can find like the teeth marks here. Mm -hmm. that. You can generally tell whether it was coyote or, or something else. I was up at Long Pine Run Reservoir, and I found the back legs of, well, actually, I had the dog out, and the dog found them. But once I got up to it, I was like, man, this is pretty crazy. So I picked up the bones, and I took them down, like, towards the uh, towards the, the road, checked them out. What's that? Another pile of the nuts, or yeah. the uh, pine cone flakes. Yeah. But I was looking for... The teeth marks on the bones, mm -hmm. and I just—I mean, I don't know if I was overlooking them or what. But I didn't really know what I was looking for, so mm -hmm. it looked like it was pretty clean, though. And the the all the meat was off of it for sure, but yeah, it was just cool to find stuff like that. Yeah, it is. So, I try to think back through the story of what happened. And yeah, 
piece of the stuff that gets me is when we find the the leg of a deer ripped off bent at the crook and hanging about eight foot up in the tree like how's it get there to me that's the stuff where i'm like somebody's either really twisted or <laughs> yeah. or what you know yeah. it's like cougar they take the whole carcass up if they're going to like drag a deer up a tree they'll take the whole the whole deer up they're not going to just pull a leg off and gingerly hanging yeah you know so those are the ones that are really weird and, and a lot of people have been sending me like skins just hanging in bushes and stuff lately which is i mean that's new to me yeah, like yeah. just just seeing that but a, i've been getting that guy from colorado sent me a bunch a guy from uh either oregon or washington i forget he sent me some pictures of it it's just like i guess this is a new thing <laughs> new, new bigfoot culture yeah. let's, let's uh hang skins in the in the bushes that's crazy so when we were coming back here 33 years ago would you say that there were like signs that we probably missed or yeah could have just I mean, because we didn't know how to interpret it yeah like back there is an interesting like a type structure right it's kind of unusual i don't know that trees would just fall like that up against I, i'm sure yeah. they could it looks pretty symmetric though yeah that, that's the thing with the like i'm i'm very very interested in tree structures now for a long time i didn't i wouldn't go near them uh not physically but just mentally and and talking about them pine is especially difficult because pine rots i mean you can see all these Mm -hmm. dead pines in here they'll rot and they'll fall and they're really susceptible to to weather in the ways that deciduous trees aren't that said i've seen some pine stuff even in the show that was like wow something with hands did that like that's all i can say and the, the one i found so if it was people they took ladders up on the side of the mountain that which just seems ridiculous you know mm-hmm. so you got a, a living tree bent into this sort of teepee and then another one that's coming in upside down so the roots are up and then a third or fourth you know that's balanced into it and it's like nope something yeah, so something did that yeah. uh, you know so and your options are something with hands so is it is go. it people or is it something else and then you know i can't i can't and no one can say because to my knowledge no one's seen a bigfoot build these things so you can't say, oh, definitely a Bigfoot built that. But you can say, well, we start seeing other Bigfoot sign in the same area as we see these breaks and stuff. And then you start, you know, you put two and two together and you say, well, they, they seem to have something to do with each other. But, yeah, but pine to me is the hardest one. I just, just because they're so susceptible. I like to go up and see if it rotted there and fell over right see if the tree the yeah roots it, are at the bottom. if the stunt's not there if the roots are facing up those are all good uh yeah. good indicators that something yeah. something hinky if you there's can see where it came of... from it's even better if it, you know the stump it came from is within sight but it, there's no way it could have fallen you know if you got yeah. 30 mm-hmm. yards away and it's it's been pulled over there's a lot of light up there so like there's another clearing so we really aren't that far from but to, to get back to your to what you were saying 30 years ago a i most people didn't think bigfoot was anywhere but the pacific northwest and that tree there would have been a sapling mm-hmm. yeah, true. much less until i got into hardcore into it i didn't know anything about tree breaks i didn't know anything i knew about footprints i might have known about hair but i didn't know anything about like wood knocks and tree breaks and all this other stuff and mm-hmm. and now you know somewhat because of pop culture and people's interest and stuff it's much more common knowledge so my thought would be 30 years ago if there was sign you missed it you walked right by it yeah. right. no not even looking yeah just the awareness let's get there. there so i can open a beer 
<laughs> yeah, that's, that's how. Yeah, that's, yep, that's a lot that's of the mentality. Right. They just walk past stuff, and even people that are out hunting, they're not thinking about it at all. So they're not they're not paying that close of attention to certain things that could be indicators. So. Oh yeah, we we were talking about the way on the way up here. Just unless you're really in tune, and we're not anymore. I mean, I. Mm. I'm probably more in tune than the average city slicker, but I'm not, I'm, you know, I got nothing on what our ancestors had as far as like just being wood wise right. and, and being able to pick stuff out and I'll catch myself being oblivious, you know, walking through and just realizing I'm not paying attention, you know what I mean? Cause my mind's on 10 other things. When I was a really young girl, we lived about 10 miles from here and on the outside of Misho Forest, so more like where Hunter's Run is, if you look that up on a map, and my brothers and I spent lots of time in the woods and the forest hiking, and just, that was our PlayStation, so there was a place where my brothers, we used to hike back to, like we had our big farmhouse, and then about a half mile back a path there was the original farmstead and of course the barn and the house all basically have fallen down but at that point you would take a hard right and go into the woods for about half a mile and you would come across there was a creek a mountain creek and one day and it was in the summer because I know my brothers were playing little league so they would have been like 12, 11, which would put me at like five or six. And I did that same walk back into the woods. Alone. Alone. <laughs> yes. no, I, no, no, I mean, I, I grew up on <laughs> a farm. Had, it was I not, had no you know, fear. I in the woods from the time I was eight years old. It was not unusual for me. To, and right. a lot of people have like, when I've talked about it, and they're like, what do you mean you were out on the farm alone when you were, you know, six, seven, eight years old? Like, yes. first of all, I was the last of six, so you know, I was yeah. expendable. And if you're they, a they really had, curious kid, <laughs> and if you're a really curious kid who has a lot of energy, your parents are just kind of like, "Yep, <laughs> go yeah. have fun." Yeah. Oh yeah. My, Watch out for the rattlesnakes and copperheads. My parents would see me at lunch, and at dinner, and then usually. I, yeah, I mean, the next morning or something. I might, oh, I might wow. stay out all night. It's, it's, uh, they, you know, the farm mm. was a safe place as far as right. they were concerned, and and uh, I think I had an unspoken agreement with my mom as long as I got good grades. Like the night was mine because I never had a bedtime, never had a curfew. Wow. Well, I wasn't going to go anywhere. It's out in the middle of nowhere on the farm, you know. So, but, when I got close to the creeks, though, it looked a lot like this: the pines and you know smaller scrub pine and lots of mountain laurel and stuff i was getting closer to the the stream and some rocks rolled like in front of my shoe and i remember as a young kid thinking oh that's weird because i didn't kick that stone and i took a couple steps closer to the stream and then like two pebbles whizzed past my head and I saw them and I heard them and that really got my attention so I'm like looking around looking at all the trees and calling my brother's names and my cousin's names because I thought that maybe they were playing a trick on me and 
no answers and you know I did everything like scanned all the trees like a little kid would but I like never looked up and I think that's probably could have been where it was coming from it's hard to say but that was always puzzled me and I remember when I walked home I called my aunt's house because she just lived down the street from us and I asked if my brothers were there and she's like Oh, yeah, they have been in the pool all day, so I'll send them home. So then I knew it wasn't brothers or cousins that were throwing stones at me, so that was puzzling, and over the years, I just kind of forgot about that. And then we had this experience out here. Well, let's get some, some introductions. We know everybody who's talking. So this is Kelly. I'm Kelly. So we're in, in Michaud right now, and we're just talking about uh, an experience they had. So everybody who's talking, we'll get this. this is... And I'm Mark. This is Ben. And, and John. John's here. If you couldn't tell, we've, we've been talking about some, some possible Bigfoot experiences in Michaud, and now we're going to talk about one that happened in 19... Was it 85? 85, 1985, yeah. So, And you haven't been back here since? I haven't. No, so April 4th, 1985 was a Friday. And it was just a cool spring day. I don't remember it being rainy or anything like that. And our thought was that we were going to camp, what's that word, <laughs> unofficially in, in the forest without having to pay for camping fees. Uh, unauthorized camping, that's what I wanted to say. And <laughs> Which I imagine for, for teenagers and so forth and young folks is probably pretty common. So it was a Friday night and it was our friend's birthday. So our intent was to stay here like Friday, Saturday night, go home Sunday. And we pulled into the access road and moved. There was a wooden barrier there, like a log across. So we moved that and we actually drove our cars past where they were supposed to be and parked them. And then we carried everything back to the site. So tents, two tents, some lawn chairs, and a, a, one or two coolers. And in addition to Mark and I were our friends Kim and Becky. At the time, we we're like the girls are twenty, the guys are twenty-five-ish, and Kim and Becky had their son Vinny with them, who was just probably barely two. So five of us in unauthorized camping space. And I think everything was very chill, not anything monumental happening, just a night around the campfire, hot dogs and marshmallows and probably beer and wine. Really uneventful until, well, we decided maybe midnight-ish that we were going to bed so Becky retires to her tent with her little guy, and I go into our tent, and nothing's really happening, and we can still hear the guys talking, and then the guys decide they're going to call it a night, so they urinate on the fire to put it out, and immediately, like, the whole area fills up with this <laughs> urine smell, and it was pungent, and the guys were like, okay, okay. We're coming to bed, and everybody gets, the guys get in the tents, 
And I don't think we were really in there very long, maybe 20 minutes to half an hour and fell asleep. And that's when we heard the first scream. <laughs> Screaming. And so th this was, you would describe it as a scream? Like I would describe screaming. it as a scream. So this happened like years before the internet and all those things were available to us. But in the last 30 few years like that is not an experience that I can explain and I just can't let it go so <laughs> I've done a lot of research um I thought I knew all the sounds of the forest and I knew that I definitely never heard that one before because I was a mountain kid a hiking kid I knew was it loud it was extremely, extremely loud. loud and you could tell that it was close it, not just that it was close, but that whatever was screaming like that had just immense lung capacity. Kind of like your metropolitan opera singers, how they can really project and make that big, big sound. But that sound was, you know, it. there was more to it than just sound. You felt it through your body. I could feel it in my bones. I could feel like my internal organs vibrating wow it was this weird. went on for quite a while so it was more than one screen oh yes there were many 10 minutes or more i would say wow support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. And Kim and I grew up in the woods. And it would stop and it would start and, and wake us up additional times. So I'm thinking that in terms of like how many different events, there were probably three to five different events 
that, so you're that right. there was screaming. And at, at the very end is when this thing that was screaming behind our tent started, you know, it sounded like something was being murdered is really the only way I can describe that scream, but something further down in the forest at the other edge of the campsite was starting to scream back. So now it wasn't just one something, it was two. And so when you say different events, it would scream for 10 minutes and you, you maybe fall asleep or yes. time would go by and then, yeah. you'd, and then um, it would start again. You know, it was really terrifying, a terrifying feeling. But as terrified as I was, it wasn't, I just felt super lethargic and extremely tired. And there was no way I could get out of that tent, even though everything else in my body was saying, go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Get your stuff and get out of here. You're in danger. That is so bizarre and yet so common when people, and we'll just talk about Bigfoot stuff. There's a lot of people who roll over and see, you know, supposedly a creature looking in their window. And that should be enough to uh, cause you yeah, to you, you, be alarmed enough to yeah, you should wake spring up. to action. You should wake up from that and, uh, probably have trouble getting back to sleep but then they say for some reason i just rolled over and went back to sleep i couldn't you know it's such a bizarre thing and you know you get people out here who uh talk about infrasound and maybe that could you know make you make you tired i did i can say that like almost 10 years later we were in kansas city and we were at the zoo and i was standing in front of an african bull elephant and it kind of was doing that rumble infrasound coming from his chest and it hit me and I felt it and I knew what it was right that feeling right away so correlating that back to what happened in 1985 I know that's yeah I know what that feeling was I know that sound or that that vibration through my body and it was scary i backed off and was like okay elephant we're done here you said it sounded like it had good lung capacity so the screams themselves would that last they were long. The, like how long would you say they last like a long time 15 20 seconds i mean that's pretty long i don't know that even right a human is gonna have the ability to scream for that long i remember at the end there was one on each side of the campsite. Screaming, like, back and forth at each other. Did it feel like, in general, they were coming from the same location, or were they moving? No, one was behind our tent. And and I also remember when he got in the tent, there was, like, this really horrible foul smell, and I blamed it on him, but um, I think it probably was coming from outside of the tent. And it wasn't that urine smell. It was, uh, like, sewage and garbage pretty nasty smell and I also remember that that night the guys after maybe the second set of screams like the first set he said go back to sleep don't worry about it it's no big deal and then there was a second screaming just from behind us and Mark and Kim are kind of low whispering (laughs) between each the tents you know what is that you know, what are we going to do? 
and you know kind of make it a plan because they have a baby in their tent and they're feeling like they're in danger as well so the thought or what they agreed on was on a three count we were going to unzip our tents and they were going to come join us because our tent was bigger and and we did that and then when we were in the tent that's kind of when there there was still some screaming and I think that's when we decided that at first light we were going to just grab everything that we could and run to the cars and you can tell that that trail isn't it's not like an ATV trail it's right. it's a footpath so when we did leave when it was light enough to see without everything being pitch black um we just like pulled the tents out of the ground and didn't even <laughs> try to pack them up like good boy scouts and girl scouts should yeah. I mean, they just ripped out of the ground and we hoofed it back to our cars as quickly as we could so our camping trip was over <laughs> like six by 6 a.m the next morning wow so and you plan to stay here for days yeah so. yeah did you notice anything else besides the screen i, I think what john was getting at is, is we're, i know that you said there were screams coming from either side but it did it seem like they were moving around or, or were they seem like they always came from the same two areas it was, i guess it was the it's, the one that was constant was behind us like that entity did not move and not far away but whatever was over here i think may have moved mm -hmm. like came in from and this, this direction is, and i know it's it's a long time and and again like we were saying it's it's not like we had the internet to look stuff up it's not like you know back then you just you know, all these years I've been, like, researching sounds, different sounds, and when I, probably within the last 20 years, I started to find, you know, different Bigfoot encrypted communities online and hearing different sounds, and I never heard any of the moans, nothing really like that, but there's, what is it, Klamath, Oregon? Yeah, there are some screams that I would say it was definitely along the line of that. That's the closest thing I've heard. But I researched, you know, bobcats and mountain lions. Right, and yeah. And it would be really unusual for a mountain lion to sit in one place and scream again and again and again. That would not be usual How behavior. How tall would you say our tent was? Like seven feet yeah. at the peak? Yeah. And it, and it seemed like it was, the sound was really within three to four feet from the back of our tent but above it <laughs> so <laughs> nothing touched our tent didn't hear any footsteps or anything no. like that no. no because you know there's like all this gorgeous pine needle right. carpet and it's so perfect to mm -hmm. uh, camouflage any sound yeah it's, yeah it's quite soft no, that's very interesting. And you know, the baby like slept through all of it. Isn't that interesting? Wow, that's amazing. He didn't make a peep. So I'm like, how unusual is that? Because you know, this these screams are happening <laughs> wide open, and so you know, at, he never woke up. At the time, did you just put it behind you, or did you try to spend time talking? Like, what was that? Or or? Well, we still talk about it. We yeah. still talk about it, but, but I'd we say we have no answer for a we while. We just had the experience. No. 
you know, we didn't, if somebody brought it up, it was like, yeah, I don't know what that was. And this conversation was over, but. So I did you hear the other Michelle show we did? Yeah. And that. So that was more. That was uh, south, I guess, right? That, that way was, toward Caledonia. Yeah, south of, uh, south of 30, basically. Right. Yeah. So what the interesting thing in the Michelle Roar episode was the gentleman talking about his his wife urinating right that's what i was getting at <laughs> and i was like oh yeah okay and uh, the, i'm not saying anybody's wrong i'm not taking sides the folks that believe this is a, a natural creature or an ape in the woods they'll say well that's you're marking territory and they got upset because you, you mark territory however i do a lot of folklore research and i've come upon in norse folklore a repeated uh statements or, or or instances stories of them saying that you had better you're going to offend the nature spirits if you pee in the woods and you should ask permission or apologize and or apologize before before you urinate in the woods wow and i i just find that like what were they talking about why were they saying like you were going to upset the nature spirits in the woods if you didn't you know if you relieve yourself and then there's all of these bigfoot things like where people report myself a lot and when i go to camp the first thing i do is pee in my campsite the other critters out mm-hmm. and it keeps the other critters out yeah so i you know again if if it's a natural creature and it, and it views us as as a competitor maybe it would get upset if we pee you know i mean that would make sense i guess well if, but the, just the, that there's all these old stories of, of saying like you you know make sure to, to to apologize to the nature spirits when you pee in the woods just strange like and especially if you've got four adults in the woods. Right, right, yeah. For, and and on the fire, maybe that really... Yeah, that would like, really stir things up. Yeah. yeah. That was a huge... It's just, it's such an unusual phenomenon. There's so many... Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure how much we got on tape talking about the trees. It's like, we can look at them and say, well, that looks unusual. It doesn't seem like they would fall that way, but the, the conclusive evidence is just so hard to come by. It's, it's, it's almost as if it's built to be inconclusive and to leave us with questions. Yeah, definitely subtle signs. So d- did you not come back to the area out of fear, or just you just happened not to come back? Uh, we've, li- we've lived here all this time, but no, I never came back, and no, I think I it probably was fear. This is the first time I've been back. Maybe uh-huh. not, not for him, but... I sleep in the woods all the time. So how does it feel to, to stand here after all this time? Um, it generally, it feels safe like safety in numbers here now in the daylight but I wouldn't want to be here in the dark what if you were alone could you come out here alone during no, the day no I wouldn't come out alone no I would they're too <laughs> I think if there are cryptids in the woods that their ability to remain unseen is is pretty good it would have to be <laughs> there's a lot of reports of strange activity and show oh yeah yeah uh like i I think i said on the other one it's top 10 they say uh, you know for bigfoot encounters in the country so that's that's there's a ton of reports that come out of here having not seen anything but just having heard and had those screaming experiences in the dark and researching over the last 30 couple years yeah, I was able to put together the piece about stones being thrown at me when I was a little kid. Right. And then 
as the wave files became <laughs> yeah that's really dated the wave files became available on the early internet i was always following those to see did i hear something that sounded like that no 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 but probably within the last few years i found that klamath oregon scream and i'm like that's it yeah <laughs> that's the sound which if if it's the one i'm thinking of there's no mistaking that for a cougar if, no. if it's the if it's the one i'm thinking of we ran into ben we kind of grew up with ben's parents and we were at the opening of fishing season nearby and ben stopped by and he's like yeah i'm looking for bigfoot i'm like really and he's like, yeah, have you heard any tree knocks or anything? And I'm like... Do we ever have a story for you? Not here. No, yeah. But I, we can tell you a story from about five miles from here. And I have been in camps when a bobcat came in camp. And it was not a bobcat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. I mean, people are very certain. You know, and these are people who have been, like you, you've been hunting, been in the woods all your life. You know, they... They're certain. They might not always be certain what it was, but they're certain what it wasn't. You know, right? And yes. and uh, you get that a lot. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain. And it's very frustrating when someone who wasn't there tells you, "No, you heard a, you heard a, you know, it was a cat." And it's not something you know that you can undo. Like with that level you know the volume and the frequency and the duration of those screams in a situation where and you, you and when you start remote hearing or reading other encounters that are checking the same boxes you know i think you had an probably an almost sighting i think i think it, it was uh you're we probably were, lucky it didn't come into camp we were too frightened really when we were leaving in the morning or we were in such a hurry maybe nobody was frightened except for me but when it couldn't didn't really look for any kind of evidence like, well, well yeah again what you wouldn't have thought to think back we then we would have found anything really pine needles get compressed and kind of spongy and pop back up so i don't know what we would have found and we weren't really looking for any evidence mm-hmm. at that point in time yeah, like I said, I was interested in it. I, I wouldn't have thought at that time to, you know, to look for anything. I don't think, just didn't know what to look for. The information just wasn't out there unless you were really, really digging in at that point in time, you know. Yeah, there wasn't, the resources weren't there. And I guess the culture around it all at that time was just that you know, people, Bigfoot people are crazy, <laughs> you know, you <laughs> and, you know, You've now lumped yourself in with right crazy people, even though you know exactly what you heard. And yeah, and, and even more so, in, like in Pennsylvania, just because, you know, the, the, the general idea back then was, oh, it's a Northwest thing. It's in the Northwest. Even though there's tons of sightings, like, a, you know, back 200 plus years. Yeah, all your wild man reports, they're great. I really <laughs> enjoy reading them. Well, like, yeah, it was like I said, it, it, in, in my book, there's all these towns that I guess I just assumed they were all over Adams County and, and, uh, and so forth. And as I'm driving here, I'm like, Oh, one after another, all leading to Michelle, like mm-hmm. all these towns I recognize. Like, oh. And they're all in the apple belt. Yep. So that's like a mm-hmm. great food resource. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, there, so like that night, I don't remember tree knocks or whoops or anything like that. It was just as everybody was settled and ready to be passed out, we got our our warning call, like, you are not welcome here. And that seems like what it is. It seems like if you get screamed at, if you get stones thrown at you, it's time to turn around because the, the, the people who have the aggressive ones seem like they... They will proceed after that, and then that's when the aggressive stuff happens. Introduce yourself. My name is Kaden. You, you listen to Strange Familiars? What do you think of all this Bigfoot stuff? I like it. You like it? That's cool. Think you'll ever see one? Mm. No, you don't think so? Mm. Be surprised if you did? Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for listening, Kaden. Mm. All right, well, thanks, everybody. Thanks. Before we get on with the rest of the show, I do want to thank our patrons, of course, and mention that if you want to help make Strange Familiars, if you want to keep Strange Familiars coming, and even help get Strange Familiars to a weekly show, you can become a patron too at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Just $3 a month gets you extra content. We try to do one full extra show for patrons every month. Sometimes we do more, and sometimes we can give more content. If you can afford to go in at a higher level, you can get things like t-shirts, pins, stickers, and more. We have all kinds of stuff there. So go ahead and check it out at patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. I want to give a shout out to Strangebrow. You can find them at strangebrow.com. That's S-T-R-A-N-G-E-B-R-A-U dot com. Look them up. If you're in Oregon, you can go every month. On the last Sunday of the month, they give talks. Really neat stuff. Ghosts and portals and UFOs, Sasquatch and more. They have some really interesting programs coming up. Hopefully we'll have the folks from Strange Brow on at some point. But go ahead and give that website a look. I want to thank Toby and Strange Brow. They sent me an awesome box of stuff this week. Really psyched about it. Visit their shop at strangebrow.com. You can see really cool t-shirt they have with like a Sasquatch face and a bunch of other really cool stuff. So thanks again. Thanks, Toby. Thanks, Strange Brow. We'll be having them on the show at some point. Until then, check out their website. And if you're in Oregon, check out their monthly talks. I wish I was there. I'd go. This next segment is just a short segment. I took my recorder into the woods. I've gotten a lot of Bigfoot reports this year from York County. It's been pretty amazing. I think I mentioned it before. I can't say it's a flap yet, but it's certainly more than I've ever gotten in the past and more than we get usually, I think. This wasn't specifically a Bigfoot report. I'll describe what I was told on the recording. It is in a park. It's in a public park. And the interesting thing to me is it's not far at all from Toad Road. So while it is a very popular local park, it does fall very close to an area of interest. So I am in Rocky Ridge Park in York County. It's one of the few times I guess I can tell you guys where I am. Because it's a public park. 
And I'm here because of reported strange activity. A jogger was out here at 7 a.m. and she reported first a strange whistle. She said it sounded like someone imitating a bird. Didn't sound right. Then she heard a branch breaking or cracking, like someone pushed down a tree. Then she heard four, which she described hollow knocks. She thought maybe wood knocks. She wasn't into Bigfoot. She didn't know wood knocks were associated with Bigfoot. And I'm thinking, since she described them as hollow, they were, they were actually even potentially chest pounds. So, a couple of days after that, I was sent a photograph of a tree structure in the same park. This is a very populated park in New York County. It's very popular for people to come here. So, it's interesting. It is, however, not far from Toad Road. So, I'm going to keep going here. See if I can find anything strange. I've seen a couple strange uh, tree twists and tree breaks and stuff, but because this park is so populated, it's, it's hard to say what kids are doing and what's anything else. After the wood knots and the branch breaking, she heard a bunch of rustling leaves and reported being rather frightened. And she, she jogs alone in the woods quite often, so that was unusual. And had the sense that people, in her words, were in the woods around her. Pretty strange encounter for someone who's not into Bigfoot to note all this stuff. Just took this report a couple days ago. I tried to get out here the same day, but it started raining really bad. But it is a it's a very fresh report. One of many that's come in this year for York County, which is very interesting and exciting for me. For what it's worth, there are tree breaks and arches and rainbow bends and the like all over the place. A lot in one place though is curious. I saw some interesting tree structures while I was at Rocky Ridge. Again, these fall in the realm of maybes. 
The curious thing is there's a lot of them, and there's some arches that go over the paths. The most interesting one I found all day, I think, had two trees that were kind of almost braided together, and then a larger tree wedged in between them. I'll go ahead and put a picture of that in the show notes. I thought that one was pretty interesting. And while it was there, I did hear two things. Now, they don't come through super clearly on the tape, but considering the witness was talking about whistles, I did hear a whistle, and I'll go ahead and play that three times now. Now, I heard that whistle as we were descending into the sort of bottom part of the park. It's actually the part that's closest to Druck Valley Road, which Trout Run Road runs off of Druck Valley Road, and that basically turns into Toad Road. So it's the part of the park that's really closest to Toad Road. It's also the most isolated part of the park. It's the part that people do seldom go down that far. They're not great biking trails. They're kind of these side trails that go off and down into the bottom that aren't well-traveled. So it was as I was descending into this lowest part that I heard the whistle. And then shortly after that, I caught this sound, kind of like a woo sort of sound. I almost thought it was children playing or something, but I don't think there were kids anywhere around. I'll go ahead and play what I'm calling the woo sound three times in a row also. So, you know, maybe that was kids, maybe that was something else. Maybe the whistle was a a bird I just didn't recognize as well. I'm not saying these things are definitely Bigfoot. They were just interesting sounds I caught while I was investigating an interesting sort of maybe encounter. And as I've said before, inconclusive seems to be part and parcel with all of this. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts. Music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com If you're on Facebook, check out the Strange Familiars Gathering group. Go ahead and search for that, and you can find us on there. You can join the group, and we share news stories, news about the show, listeners share stories, and it's generally a good time. So that's the Strange Familiars Gathering group on Facebook. Check it out. Make sure to check out the Strange Familiars store on eBay. That's another way you can help support the show. We put up all kinds of cool ephemera and stuff that's related to my music and the podcast and more. I will put a link in the show notes for the Strange Familiars eBay store. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Within the far-off house Seen within the eye
eyes of health, the aged way is told. Buried in a cursed earth, hidden in the haunted ground, guarded by unseen things, what was lost is now found. Staff in hand, I slowly step across the land Alone but for my long-lost friend and those beyond my sight From well-worn path to lonesome way Across the creek, the white tree sways Behind me broken boughs are laid My shadows dark as night Buried in a cursed earth, hidden Unseen things, what was lost is now found. I listen to the whispering wind, it leads me to the very end. I hear the words that bring me in. Hidden in the haunted ground Guarded by unseen things What was lost is now found Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.